I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey, idiots. Welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed, the podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance, mostly by asking ignorant questions. With me, Jessica Michelle Singleton. I'm your host. I'm a comedian and I'm a fucking idiot. And we all are sometimes. That's why we're here. If you're new to the podcast, holy shit, you picked a good one. Uh, Thanks for checking me out. If you don't mind, please hit that subscribe button, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It's just nice. I don't know. Allegedly, it helps the algorithm, but I like reading the reviews. It makes me feel good to know new people have found it, and I like knowing how you feel. I like knowing uh, what episodes spoke to you the most, so thank you to everyone who's already done that uh, if you've been listening for a while, but keep forgetting this is yet another reminder for you. That's a great way to support the podcast, and it's so easy. doesn't cost you a thing. If you want to support it a little more, like my best idiots forever, shout out Gene and Kathy. Those are my top tier level patrons. That's right. I've got a Patreon. That's what I'm going to tell you. There's a top tier level, level, excuse me, where I will shout you out every episode, but there's also other levels starting as low as $1 a month. You get stand-up clips, full-length early episodes with no commercials, none none of these intros. You never hear me doing this shit. Um, and there's certain levels where you can be in the live stream chat while I'm doing the interviews. People were live for this interview. How fucking nuts is that? How fucking fun was it? And I got some questions from them. That's what we do. It's a good time. So um, I obviously would always love your support. I've gotten a, a few new patrons this month. Thank you to them. Thank you, Steve, who is my most recent patron. Um... Yeah, and it's just a, a way a way to help me keep this thing afloat. I pay out my producer. It's a modest, measly paying, but I I pay him, and he is helping me keep this podcast in line. And honestly, the more money I make from podcasts, the more I can turn down bullshit work and focus more energy into this. And I hope you guys notice that I am trying to focus energy into it. I have, I am far from the place of being self-sufficient off of this podcast, financially speaking, but I, part of the reason I brought in a producer was, if you're like me, having a buddy for accountability makes a huge difference. So yes, he does a lot of work that makes this thing much smoother and sound better, but also he is an accountability buddy. (laughs) I have someone else who's waiting on things for me. Oh, fuck. I don't want to look bad to the guy I hired. So let me get my shit done. <laughs> um, absolutely. Uh, so I can, you know, uh, the more I'm supported by this, the more free time I have to reach out to guests, to really gather new guests uh, and do research and, f- and find new things and add new episodes and and more and more and more and add things to the Patreon that are for Patreon only. So there's just so much to be had. And I thank you to those of you who have been supporting for so long. And those of you who keep trickling in, it means a lot. Uh, you know, I've said it before, but this past year more than ever with my main income coming to a, a screeching halt, I am ever more grateful for people I was already so grateful for. So thank you. And that is, of course, at patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed if you want to get over there and involved. 
There is also a Facebook group. Ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots. Won't cost you a penny to join that. Just uh, mention the podcast when you join because there will be a question uh, because people like to just join groups and spam them for no reason. It, I don't... I'm sure someone could explain some sort of capitalistic explanation reason for it, but I don't... I just... I don't get it. <clears throat> Another way to support me and support yourself, try Neurogum at getneuro.com slash JMS. That's G-E-T-N-E-U-R-O dot com slash JMS. You will get 15% off your first order of Neurogum, whether that's one pack, several packs. You can get gum. You can get mints. They have two flavors. And that, of course, is caffeinated gum with B vitamins and L-theanine. So it gives you energy, but it's focused without the crash. You don't get the jitters. It's just, woo, what? All of a sudden, I'm zoned in. Oh, my God. Did I just finish the thing I was working on? That's fucking crazy. Thank you, Neurogum. That's basically how that works. And before we get into the guest, I do have shows coming up. I know. I can hardly believe it either. I will... On March 26th, I'm performing at the fucking Rose Bowl. It's crazy. I'm part of the Comedy Store Drive-In series presented by PuffCo. Um, I have no obligation to say the presented by PuffCo. I just keep seeing it mentioned. And so I'm also saying presented by PuffCo. It is presented by PuffCo. I'm grateful for them for doing the show and the show for having me. It's just so funny. It feels, it feels so corporate saying it out loud. Anyway, the Pasadena Rose Bowl, the one from all the fucking things the rose bowl the rose parade it's i can't believe i'm performing there uh come honk at me get a car full of people there's still still some tickets available all the vip tickets are gone uh that's just front row but it's set up fine so you don't need to be in the front row so get your tickets now if you're gonna be in la that's the sound of me letting you know i've not had my neuro gum for recording this um if you're going to be in L.A. on March 26th, fucking come, honk, scream, say, hey, idiots from your window. I don't know if that's allowed, but, you know, you didn't hear it from me. And uh, I'm going up the coast to Sacramento, April 23rd and 24th. I will be at Laughs Unlimited. More to come. The world is starting to reopen. I am now starting to stock the Walgreens down the street from me for extra vaccines. <laughs> I'm trying to... Just get one of the ones that they have to get rid of anyways before my window is open because apparently I'm not in the window of people who are getting it just yet. Speaking of people who are in your window, we're talking about predators today, not just any predators. The predators caught by the man, Chris Hansen, to catch a predator, Dateline. You fucking know what I'm talking about. The original Let's Keep These Creeps from AOL in check. Chris Hansen. You guys, I have Chris Hansen on the show. We're talking about, you know, what's going on in the internet landscape today, how to look out for people like that. Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Is he still doing it? What are some of the most memorable cases? It's a fucking cool-ass conversation. It's kind of dark. So, you know, trigger warning, this is literally the guy from To Catch a Predator. So there's some seedy things that go on in this conversation. So please be aware of that. But I fucking can't believe it. I used to watch this guy's show all the time. One of my first jokes, which now I'm sure I'm not the only one, was just, you know, like, you may have seen me um, as a decoy on To Catch a Predator, something like that. That was the gist of the joke. I think it was formatted better because I am a good joke writer. Sadly, I'm not a good remember jokes I don't do anymore, -er, which is telling because I haven't fucking done a lot of jokes in a while, so I better get my fat ass on stage before I do that Rose Bowl show. 
Anyway, that's neither here nor there. What's here is Chris Hansen. Here is his episode. Please enjoy. Tweet at me at JMS Comedy or post in the Facebook group. Let me know what you think. No further ado, the Chris Hansen. Hey, idiots. Welcome to an amazing episode of Ignorance is Blessed. I am super excited for our guest today. You guys, I can't even believe it. I am joined by the one and only Chris Hansen. Chris, thank you for being here. My pleasure, Jessica. How are you? I am. I'm doing well this morning. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah. Hoping, awesome. for, uh, hoping for spring soon here in New York. Yeah. You guys are really yeah. getting hit. We got, a, we got a little chicken on the bone left here. Back here <laughs> but, uh, hopefully we'll get there. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I can't even. It's. I love New York. And it's this time of year that I'm like, this is why I chose L.A. over New York. LA. This, I just exactly. look out my window and I'm like, it's a, I, I don't need bagels. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thanks for taking time out of your day. I know sure. you're doing so much going on right now. I mean, you've got you've got your new podcast, Predators I've Caught, where you're going over. So, well, let's just dive into it. Sure, absolutely. With the podcast, you're kind of revisiting stories from, you know, your show. Is that what's going on with? Well, exactly. So we've got a couple of things going on predator-wise. We've got new investigations that we've been out in the field doing, and that that shows up on the YouTube channel, Have a Seat with Chris Hansen, and then it's being put together for a new television show, and we're talking to networks as we speak on that. So that's happening. And for a long time now, you know, I've been getting questions from people about this guy who was caught or that guy who was caught. And, you know, we're talking about you know, four to 500 people over the course yeah. of these investigations. And imagine this, this past month, February, marked 17 years since the first predator investigation. Oh so it's kind of God. mind boggling to think that there's this entire body of work. And as we continue to navigate this pandemic, when kids are spending more time online than ever before, Parents, too, but that takes parents' attention away from what the kids are doing, even at the other end of the dining room table or in the next room. Oh, yeah. I thought it was more important than ever, as did my producers, to to say, all right, let's take a look back at these cases and also tell people who've been following these investigations for many years um, what has happened since then. And the backstories, Jessica, are absolutely fascinating. I had, you know, I had some sense of where some of these guys, were and what happened in prison sentences and life changes. But but it's really led me to go back and look at these cases and in, in, in many of the podcasts relive that moment when that guy walked into the kitchen or the living room and I confronted them and to go back through the transcripts, it's chilling in a way. There are undeniably comedic moments in a way, but yeah. there's a lesson for everybody who listens to this and and we're on episode five i think this week just came out today on a fellow who was in the very first investigation i mean literally 17 years ago to the day that i confronted this guy dark angel 73 or excuse me dark hero 73 um i was in the studio recording yeah recording this podcast And, and people always ask well was there a time that you thought you were in danger and and i sort of forgot about this guy, you know, for no reason other than that. It was the very first investigation. And there were so many. Yeah. Well, there were so many, but, but he was literally 
I think looking back, potentially the most dangerous guy who came in. We didn't, you know, in that first one, um, police were not doing a parallel investigation. I had security, of course, we all did. But we were in a home in Bethpage, Long Island. Wow. And I was driving out there, I remember. And it was, you know, all brand new. You know, I pitched this story as as not a complete new series, but as a segment on Dateline, essentially. Wow. Like you're like, let's do a one small, like a small segment. So another reporter, you know, who I spoke with all the time in Detroit, where I'm from and where I was a reporter for 10 years, said, you know, have you heard about this group, Preferred Justice, this online watchdog group? And I said, no. And he told me about it. And I started to think, well, if we could combine their ability to pose, you know, 13, 14-year-old kids in chat rooms, and our ability to wire our house with microphones and cameras, it could be very compelling, but you never know what's gonna happen on these things. I mean, I've done investigative projects before that don't work out. You know, they just don't. You know, you, you never yeah. bat a thousand. You can bat, you know, pretty high. And have a pretty There's good always gonna be but, something, yeah. Right, so I'm driving over there, you know, and um, I get caught in traffic, you know, going over one of the bridges. <laughs> what if oh, no. What if I've just, you know, wasted tens of thousands of dollars of NBC's money. And <laughs> You're just bus. stuck well, in traffic. You know, oh, the, God. the producer calls me and says, where the hell are you? You've got two guys who are supposed to show up in 45 minutes. So, you know, it was, it was, you know, nonstop after that. And then I thought, well, if we do it two or three times, nobody's going to show up. They're going to know it's us. Well, wow, 17, yeah. 17 years later, there I we know. are in Michigan, right? Just a couple <laughs> weeks ago, working with the Genesee County Sheriff's Department. And we see a, a state prison guard shows up, a former <gasps> police officer from Lebanon shows up, a babysitter shows up, a guy who had done contracting work in the governor's mansion. You know, oh the same governor God. who is the target of a of a threat to be kidnapped. Oh my and God. And it goes on and on. So this is still going on. So wow. I thought it was more relevant than ever before to go back. And it's been very rewarding and very interesting. And and you know, it's gone over very well. People seem to like it. So we get to keep yeah wow that is like that's just so crazy and it's just interesting to hear kind of the reiteration of people from in so many professions so many walks of life like you could find these predators which is so scary obviously um and and i love what you said about you know thinking after like three episodes People well, are I thought I'd be like I thought I'd be like the Maytag repairman. You know, just you know, I'd fall asleep on the uh, you know, lying down on the kitchen counter or something. But well, I I mean, it's probably a testament to because I would guess that there have probably been some people deterred because of your show. Oh, I think so. And I look at the end of the day, I I think we've raised awareness and created a dialogue that didn't exist before. But, Absolutely. But think about this, Jessica, for a second. I mean. When we started this 17 years ago, we merely had decoys uh, existing in chat rooms on AOL and Yahoo. That was it. That's all we used. I was trying to be one. Right, exactly. (laughs) And now there's been an explosion. Oh, yeah. Social media. Social media platforms where potential predators can approach kids, you know? Yeah. And it's just, just, it's stunning to me. So, So the danger is there. The predators are more clever. We've had to adjust our, you know, investigative techniques to, uh, you know, keep up with all this. That's and, what I was going to ask. You know, because we hadn't done one between, you know, we did one that aired as a part of Crime Watch Daily when I was doing that syndicated show. 
and 18, and then we didn't really do much until just this past year on the Predator front. Lots of other stories about the Predator front. So it's really, it's, it's, it's more important now than ever before. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can imagine with social media. I get shocked when I see like, Every once in a while, I come across someone, it's it's like, you know, an acquaintance or something, and they're like 11-year-old kid has an Instagram, and I'm like, ah, I don't, no, yeah. that's, a, why? Uh, man. So, do you feel like, like, the, like these online predators with the advancement of social media, you know, there's more of it, but also I think, you know, we're becoming a little bit wiser to the fact that that's an issue. I think some people are at least absolutely yeah. older people are starting to kind of be on social media. They're aware of it versus just, you know, a rogue kid being like, it's the internet, mom, you don't get it. Um, have they, they've, so predators have had to get smarter about this. Well, I think, you know, technology has changed. Predators have changed with it. I mean, we had a guy and we we're going to put this story out on the, YouTube channel, have a suit with Chris Hansen, just um, this past week, a sheriff's deputy in Volusia County, Florida, uh, thank God, was, you know, willing to go the extra mile, and when he came on a shift, he got a report that a 13-year-old girl was missing after school. Oh, my God. He started collecting information. He had her identity and picture, and interviewed friends. And this was not a troubled teen, you know, athlete, you know, good student, and vanished. And wow. so... He finds out through talking to her friends that she was chatting online with a guy whose name started with a T, maybe Tyler. That's all he had. Yeah. And so he digs a little further and he finds out that she often went to the dollar store after after school and she goes there and he finds the security video and he sees her leave but doesn't see the predator and pieces this together that they might be going to a hotel nearby. So he knocks on doors and goes hotel, 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 and finally and thankfully finds this guy, they bust him and they rescue the 13 year old girl. But, you know, this is last week and this is still Jesus. taking, you know, there was no time to do the, the high tech online investigation. This sheriff's deputy, who's a hero in my book, had to, yeah. you know, just get Going on the road. door to door. That start it's knocking like... on doors. And he had, you know, he had daughters of his own, you know, so he, he took this very first day. And I, I thought it was worth a whole segment. We have his body cam and, and then I interviewed him last week and go, yeah. I mean, yeah, everyone go check that out. That's amazing. Do you feel like with, I mean, I mean, what a hero that guy is. Do you feel like in some cases with technology, it's possibly made uh, people in his position? I mean, obviously not him, but like, do you think technology has made some people lazier? Like, like, well, we looked on the internet and didn't. Oh, I I think there's a whole, I mean, you can get me started on that about how we need, civics lessons for every kid coming through high school and college to determine and to to teach them that just because they saw it on the internet doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> I mean, you look at the, the misinformation <laughs> campaigns and yeah. you know everything from the Trump administration and trying to make things look the way they really aren't and other people doing it. And it happens to content creators, you know, in, in the drama community. And I've seen it and I've been targeted by it and, and I get it. But it just because you find something you know, that's out there and you spin it together with a fancy editing suite doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. You know, and and it's, it's, it's shocking to me how this, you know, obviously we're, we're living in this digital age. It's not going anywhere. It's only going to get faster, quicker, more powerful. It just it is what it is. But, you know, 
with that comes a responsibility to do some due diligence and teach kids coming up that, okay, just because you see it doesn't mean it's true. Yes. Just because somebody says it doesn't mean it's true. You know, whether you're the president or a journalist or, or a podcast host. Yeah. Verify it. That you're like, people could just be literally making things up. Like, don't... I, I agree that that should be a civics. I, I mean, I, I got think- off on a tangent there, but to answer your your your, your actual question, <laughs> yeah, I think I think sometimes in law enforcement, if it's not all there, and we've all been spoiled by the quick access to information and potential mm-hmm. evidence, then you know there may not be this extra effort that this particular deputy showed on this day. I think overall, law enforcement is all about. Yeah, that's what that's what they're there for. But you never know why they do it. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, one of the his body cam video went viral last week. It was on all the morning shows and the the, the news shows. And and I just thought I'd take a step further. You know, want to hear from this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Like what a what a great guy. Yeah. What a great guy that did that. And, you, you know, that's the hope is that, you know, someone's in law enforcement, like you said, as most people probably go into law enforcement because they want to. That's exactly Do those right. things. But, oh, that's so... On the note of, you know, misinformation and stuff, because I feel like this is a question I could see popping up in people listening's mind. You know, you had this giant show on NBC. Uh, it, very successful. You caught a lot of predators. Th- like, also, just thank you for that. Um, having... I, I'm in entertainment. I live in Hollywood. Very uh, jaded by the concept of reality TV at this point, just for the sake of asking all of, all of these stings and these predators, these were like a hundred percent real. Oh yeah. No, there's no one has like, I was predator number three on their resume. (laughs) Well, no, uh, well, it's a rap sheet. You can call it a resume, I guess. I mean, it's like John, (laughs) John Stewart once said, it's a mama, good news and bad news. Good news is I'm on a book cover of a book, Bad News is Chris Hansen's book. You know, <laughs> you know, some people did did try to get some notoriety out of it, uh, including the uh, the uh, subject of uh, this week's podcast. But no, it was all real. And I get that question all the time, especially from kids who, you know, in the beginning when I talked to a class, uh, they'd say, you know, how did you, you, you know, do you think people are really doing this in real life? I said, this is real life. You know, yeah. these aren't actors. You know, wow. playing a skit, you know, at the gymnasium. This is a real case scenario. This is a crime playing out in real time. And we're going to show it to you. And, and, and that's, I think, part of why it became so iconic. I mean, if you look at, you know, Predator and, and what I've done in 40 years, Predator is, you know, 4% of my portfolio. But undeniably, it is, you know. What people uh, know. You know, pop culture icons standpoint it's it's the biggest thing and i, I joke with my two oldest who are now in the businesses and behind the scenes as a, as a photo and journalist production guy one part of the team when they were in high school you know having a dad on tv was no big deal i mean they went to school where kids dads were you know, titans of industry yeah you know making sales for racing boats and ships and you know wall street guys and and, and so it was you know just another dad but when South Park did a Chris Hansen I was gonna ask you know, Predator about that. parody, you know, suddenly I was like the coolest dad of them all because I was on South Park. Is that how you felt when they when they put you on there? Was it like? Well, you know, they don't tell kids? you. They don't tell you in uh, in a 
advance and they do that. So I was actually out in your part of the world on the West Coast on assignment. And, and I got a text from one of my agents, uh, Ed William Morris, who said, uh, South Park is doing you tonight. It, it's pretty funny so far. And I said, well, I'm in the West Coast. I'll check it in three hours. And then about 20 minutes later, it's taken a dark turn. <laughs> it got dark. And you're like, South dark. Park? Took yeah, yeah. What I do and made it dark? Who'd, who? who'd have thunk? <laughs> I would, it was pretty clever. But, you know, if you, if you do Simpsons or obviously if you have a cameo appearance on, you know, a Blackish or Furby uh, Rock idea, you, you, you're there. You know, you have a script and you can do it. And it's a lot of fun. And, but with South Park, and, they're just like, boom. Yeah, they just, they, just, they you know, they, they don't tell you. It just happens. So. But yeah, it, was, it was clever. It was, it was cool. That's tough. I love that it made your kids like think that you were cool. That's Obviously, always bonus points. Yeah, exactly. Ah, I love that so much. Okay, so when you you said that, you know, what you do in the in the predator catching world is a small percentage of your portfolio, but do you feel like because of the notoriety of the show, has that affected your ability to branch out if you were trying to? Or I mean, I don't know if you even have desire to to go into different industries, oh, but do you yeah. feel like I you're mean, so. We're, we're, that guy. We're, we're, we're doing it now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always be that guy. You, you know, you can either, you know, spend your career running away from it or embrace it and use it for, for good. And I obviously chose to embrace it for good. But, you know, we've got two new series out on Discovery Plus, which is, yes. you know, my new home now for TV. Uh, and we have the Onision in real life, which is a, an investigation into this, you know, who this guy is essentially the Jeffrey Epstein of YouTube. Oh. Um, Onision and uh, that's crazy. And lay this thing out in the, the three part series and uh, fourth right now. And then we did Unseemly, which is the investigation into uh, a wealthy fashion magnet who ended up being a horrific predator, Peter oh Nygar. So that series is out there too. And people can, people can check those out on, uh, on Discovery Plus and on the streaming series. So that's, you know, that's kind of the where. I think, or at least for a guy in, 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 who does what I do, I think that's where the industry is going in terms of television. It, you know, it's, it's sort of these investigative going in on one person. It, it's syndicated. It's investigative. It's you know whomever in real life. And, and right now, I mean, it, there's just, there's just so much to do and so many different projects. Literally, I mean, I start my day. You know, I try to get on the Peloton bike and clear my head. And then it's like, okay, what do I take a slice of first? I mean, there's just so much going on. It's, it's a great time in one's career. Sadly, there's so much predatory. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like a blessing I mean, for your career, yeah. but a curse for all of yeah. us that there's just so much so, out you there. You know, I, I tell, you know, the boys who are in business, my son, they say, you know, it's the old reporter's prayer. I said, Lord, don't let it happen. But if it does, let me be the first guy there. Yeah. <laughs> the reporter's prayer. I right. love that so much. Did you... Uh, so did you start out with your career as an investigative reporter? No, I started as a general assignment reporter, like, you know, most guys do. I was, uh, you know, I got bit by the bug early. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa was kidnapped near my home growing up in suburban Detroit. And I was fascinated by the story. I used to ride my bike up to the crime scene and check it out. And so when I went off to college in Michigan State, I, you know, went to the college radio station the first day and just signed up, knew nothing about anything except that I had time and, energy and uh, I was too stupid to realize there was anything I couldn't do and so we started there. <laughs> was lucky enough at in college to get a job actually on TV, TV, commercial TV for the wow. 
That's great. That's not easy to do. Well, it was a little easier in 1981 than it is today. But, (laughs) you know, um, it's still very doable for kids. Kids do it, you know, kids do it all the time. But it's it's more competitive, I think. But it was great. It was a great opportunity. It stayed there and covered politics and crime and breaking news. Went to uh, Tampa for a couple of years and Detroit for 10. Tampa. That's where I went to college. (laughs) Oh, did you? Where'd you go? Yeah, USF. Oh yeah, USF is great, and they have a, actually one of my one of my old communication professors, Eric Eisenberg, is head of the communications department. Is yes, at USF, who's a wonderful guy. Great. Oh my God, what a small great. world! That's so. What great. station were you at at, at US or in? Tampa? I was at uh, I was at Channel Eight. News Watch Eight, the NBC station. Oh nice! That's so. I just had two and a half years. A friend on coincidentally he's he was like on the bachelorette last season completely different trajectory in his career but he was at the abc station for a few years yeah Um, no it was it was great a lot of good friends there um wow was there something career-wise like an opportunity that you grabbed onto that kind of pushed you into investigative or did you kind of well i think that's always what i wanted to okay you know i you know, even as a general assignment reporter, I mean, I was covering crime and breaking news and trying to do enterprise news, you know, things that you wouldn't see anywhere else or that other people wouldn't think of doing. But along the way, I would always have, you know, a couple passion projects that I'd chip away at. You know, I try to be on the air every day, but I always have something, you know, in, in the in the bottom drawer that I'd work and work and work and try to get done and, and then, you know, break it and you know, make some news or have some impact. And so when I went to NBC, you know, they kind of had me do that to fill that sort of role, not really as the, you know, the I-team guy or the networks investigative reporter, but as the guy who would tackle the tougher issues and, you know, occasionally do a feature thrown in. But, but generally, you know, if it was bleeding, burning, or getting indicted, it was mine. <laughs> it still, still is today. They're like, they're like, it's bad. We need Chris. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No like, good news if I show up on your front porch. I know that. Also, just when you come on the screen on the news, you're like, uh oh, who's in trouble? Oh. <laughs> like, it's that's so we were funny. Down in, uh, we were down in uh, Alabama on a story. We we're doing a, a hidden camera stick on uh, financial advisors who are giving inappropriate information in many cases to seniors. Oh my God. And we're leaving the hotel one night, and I, I, my security guy was with Ron Knight, and I could hear the. The valet guy saying, I don't know what he's up to, but somebody's getting in trouble in Birmingham tonight. I know that. <laughs> That's so funny that just like having that notorious like, uh oh, that I I wonder how many people and that will never know have seen you out and about and had their own personal like because they're doing something shady like, <gasps> oh, no. It's the guy, you know. Oh, I, I'm sure it's happened. I mean, I, I've seen people get if you were doing a a story, uh, it was actually a murder story for Dateline, and, and uh, we took us to Thailand. Wow. And we were in a hotel in, I don't remember if it was Chiang Mai or Chiang Rai, uh, one of those hotels, and we were in the elevator. I was in the elevator going down to meet the crew, uh, and I saw a guy who was American get in with a, a girl who was maybe not underage in Thailand, but was definitely underage. American Classic American and, uh, man in Thailand. Right. And, um, you know, he looked over and I looked at him and I wasn't going to cut him any slack and look the other way. I just stared at him and he was profusely 
sweating and nervous and hit the next, you know, button it off before. You know, <laughs> he just gets out and leaves he her. He's like, good, good afternoon, madam. And yeah. yeah. Oh, he, my he, God. He was up to no good for sure, but he, he, he gave him a good scare at least. Yeah, God. <laughs> I mean, what a crazy... I cannot imagine that just from that man's perspective, like the, he shouldn't have been doing that shit, obviously. No, no, clearly. But the odds of like you being like, I'm going to be a creep in Thailand. No, no, no. And you get an elevator and you're like, I've made a mistake. I should not have done this. Wow. Holy shit. That's crazy. Excuse my language. I have a Taylor mouth. Um, Wow, my brain's spinning because there's just so many things I want to ask you. So, with the work you've done, have you heard about... Okay, so, I don't know if you know this comedian. I have a friend named uh, Big J. Okerson. He's a comedian. He's Mm -hmm. a big fan of your work. He has talked to me about meeting people, meeting one... He met, like, one guy in the course of his career who are these sort of vigilante amateur predator catchers. Yeah. Have you heard about this? Yeah. There was a, actually there's some articles uh, out just recently and, and there's some guys out there and I think some of them, you know, have good motives, but it's, it's so packed with potential issues. You know, are you doing it just to, you know, get clicks on YouTube. Yeah. What happens to these guys afterwards? Are you taking the proper precautions? Uh, do we know that, in fact, that threshold has been crossed? I mean, look, anybody who gets caught trying to solicit a kid online should face consequences. Absolutely. Um, and you could argue public shaming is one of those. I mean, it's an easy way to avoid that and don't, you know, target kids online. Very yeah. simple. We, we all accept that. Most of us do but when you get a amateur or somebody who doesn't have an affiliation with law enforcement or any sort of media standards or training going out there and the cases don't get prosecuted, you know, what have we accomplished? Yeah, and it's I, just a guy I, going, I, it, hey, it, shame on you. <laughs> it, it concerns me that somebody's going to get hurt. It concerns me that there's no standard. Now, people can say to me, well, the first two predator investigations you did were not in parallel with law enforcement, and that'd be true. Law enforcement did make some of those cases afterwards, but you know, it wasn't until the third investigation that we did it, and we, we took some heat for doing that in the journalistic community, uh, working too closely with law enforcement. And really? I felt that uh, we were right to do it. I thought it was uh, socially responsible, and I thought from a base level production standpoint of of making television it was unfulfilling to the audiences of these guys you know dancing down the street with an umbrella over their head when they should be facing consequences so we we made that adjustment and i don't i don't think anybody's criticizing it today but it did it did face some criticism it was it was totally outside of the box well it was so brand new to see you know it was and it was it was it was interactive and it was you know, in, in your face in some ways. And and I didn't really design all the iconic lines that came out of it, the have a seat and all that, that sort of just grew out of a necessity to take control of the situation. I mean, some of the stuff I thought out ahead of time, but but the things that, you know, people repeat or ask me to say at parties or, you know, 
whatever. Um, those things came out of a out of necessity during the course of these investigations. Yeah. Oh, that's that people ask you to repeat. They're like, can, can you ask me to have a seat? You're like, okay. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to, I'm going to talk to you about, I want to like ask you about the show and about just, I want to really dig into sure. your experience around that. We'll be right back. You guys. All right, you guys, we're back. And Oh man, I want to talk about just your experience on the show with these guys. Cause I'm sure I mean, there's, you know, you you really showed so much, but I'm sure there's things like we didn't see or stuff that we, you know, I don't know, we maybe just don't know about. And I'm sure that's going to be all part of, you know, as your podcast moves forward, you'll get deeper into that. But I know you said that you had, you know, a team of security. Obviously, of course, this is you're dealing with people who are, you know, getting caught red-handed. You don't know how they're going to react. Did you have any like crazy scares, like fears for your own life, fears for the the production team? Any anyone going like really rogue? We showed everything really that uh, yeah. that we experienced. Like, we didn't hold anything back. There's no hidden episode or missing episode or nice. the time that a bullet went whizzing by my ear or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, two or three stand out. The one that I was talking about where it turned out the guy, uh, Dark Hero 73, had a history of uh, mental illness and treatment. And then and I'm not trying to equate mental illness with behavior. No, of course not. Link, but it just so happened in this case, this guy was looking at his old girl. He admitted he had been treated for mental illness and, and we had a big ethical discussion about do we identify him, do we not, because of his illness. And my argument was it didn't matter. Obviously, you want people to get treated. But the guy still posed a danger to a teenage girl and thus should be identified and put in context. Absolutely. So, even if it's like, even, I thought that makes right. sense to me that like, even if go, go it's get, driven by illness, then. you need to know right. that this but person you need needs to know help. That this guy is out there. He had a, a legal restraining order against him from a, from a girlfriend. He wow. showed the propensity for violence. He, he was not stable. And so people should know that this guy is danger and he's, he's roaming the streets. So that being said, people with uh, purported mental illness are, are caught up in criminal activity all the time. And that's a question of fact for a judge or jury to decide whether or not that impacts the legal guilt of innocence. So this guy was dangerous. He was rangy. He was back and forth throughout the house. It was our very first investigation. I think that could have spun a couple different ways and we finally had to escort him out. People always point to the rabbi incident in heard in Virginia, a uh, 56-year-old rabbi came into the house with a wow. boy, and we knew what he did for a living. And he, when I got him to say what he did, it slid across the table some pictures of him clearly engaging in a sex act that he sent to who he thought was a 15-year-old boy. He, he lost it. He went lunging, and it looked on the camera like he was lunging for me, but he was actually lunging for these pictures, not uh. thinking that we had 100 copies of them. Yeah, that he's like, yeah, like, it's like it's not gonna, it's not, it's not gonna help you, right? And so Ron Knight, my security guy, reached in to provide a barrier. Uh, another incident in Kentucky where a fellow was leaving, the law enforcement authorities uh, on site told him to get out of the house. Now this is ironic because this guy 
didn't follow their command because he's still trying to put his shoes on, which the officers outside couldn't see. He took his shoes off to come in. He had no problem sexually assaulting a 13-year-old girl. But he didn't want want to dirty up the floor. He didn't want to muddy up the house on the way in. Like, oh, I don't want want to be rude while I... Yeah, yeah. I don't want to leave trail, you know. (laughs) He's like, I don't want evidence is what that was. He doesn't follow the police orders at at, at the door of the house. So they tase him. One of the uh, connectors doesn't hit. And so he he hears the click and he backs up and runs into the house. Oh, my God. Cops have to come in and tackle him and subdued him there Chaos. so you know you can see this isolated shot of my face you know curiously watching this and all of a sudden you know a lot of and i've got to move out of the way oh wow you got to move out of the way and this whole thing happens right there it's pretty dramatic but again you know the, the investigations are set up for uh, safety as much as anything like this can be safe there's an inherent risk in any sort of reporting especially this kind of, reporting, of course kind of activity and if, even if I wasn't there and it was just a police uh, operation. It's still inherently risky. And that's why people take so many precautions. And, and we saw that. And then, you know, in the in the Genesee County, Michigan, near Flint, Michigan investigation that we just wrapped up, I mean, we also had COVID. So we had a whole COVID protocol that had to go into the same masks and distance. And it was a little funky. You know, it wasn't yeah. the usual in your I mean, it was in your face in terms of what came out of it television, but it was, you know, there did the, things that had to be done that we didn't usually have to do. Did the predator for that one come in wearing a mask? They did. That's and, hilarious. And, and, that it's and, like in some of the cases they did. Like all right. And I had a mask, you know. Of so course. Finally, when of you course. when you get it get it all settled down, you sit across from each other. You know, the masks come off, and you didn't make them take off the mask, but often they did. Yeah, it's like, well, you're going to take off all your clothes. I guess you'll take your mask off. Ugh. Right. I okay, so we you touched a little on the fact that mental illness does occasionally come up, and obviously those things don't equate, as you said, mental illness is not equal predator. But on the note of you know, sometimes people who who are doing this do also have some type of mental illness. Do you do you think that there's room for rehabilitation for people? I uh, think in like some this? cases there are. You know, people always. In, in our society wanting, you know, a quick fix, lock them up forever, give them the magic pill or, you know, send them to some sort of therapy that, that fixes these guys. And, and, and the, the reality is they're not one guy, right? Yeah. And in my history, a- and I'm not, a, I'm not a therapist, so, you know, I'm barely qualified to make this assessment, but based upon my observations and hours and hours of interviews with people who do know better, therapists, psychiatrists who study these guys in the prison setting, it seems to me that they break down into three different categories. One is the hardcore child predator pedophile who'd be doing this with or without the internet. He'd be at the school playground, the movie theater. Relentless, yeah. At Scoutmaster, whatever. Those guys have to be locked up. Yeah. Unable to be rehabilitated. There's a younger group of guys who are prowling around who are socially inept to figure, well, you know, she may be 13 or 14 now, but, you know, in a few years, the age difference because I'm 21 or 18, 19, 21 won't be a factor. They go for it. So they, they're like, they, oh, they, well, it's still a girl and she's giving me attention. and It's not that big of a deal. Right. Because- and, and so, they, you know, they, they know it's wrong. Um, but it, it, they are approaching somebody online who's straight that this isn't a, 
a gray area high school Romeo and Juliet situation. It's still an 18-year-old a babysitter who's got a butt plug and a propensity for BDSM who's going to meet a 14-year-old girl. I mean, that's and, – and, and I'm talking about a specific case that's, yeah. that we did in, in, in Michigan. And, you know, some people said, well, he's 18 and she was 14 and could be in 15. I said, yeah, it, this is not Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, and this by isn't the way, a romance. This is a creepy guy with a butt plug. What's the difference between this guy being 18 and 28 at the end of the day? Does he pose any less danger to a minor because he's 18 and not 28? Yeah. If he was 28, we wouldn't be having this discussion. If he's 18, he's still a grown man. You know what you're doing. You know better. Right. And and by the way, he makes his living as a babysitter. So don't you think society should know? I mean, he's criminally prosecuted. This isn't, you know, me or our production team making this decision. He walked into a law enforcement investigation that I was also um, a part of in a parallel terroristic fashion. And so I, I don't see the reason not to not to have him in the, in the program. Yeah. Now there's a, there's another area. The third area I think is, is the most interesting and the most vexing is I think there's a group of guys out there who have a propensity for this kind of behavior, but wouldn't be doing it without the internet. Yeah. Say things or do things without the anonymity of the internet. They wouldn't, uh, uh, you know, live out these fantasies online, the addictive quality of it. 24-hour access, and all of a sudden they have this opportunity, and they blur the line between fantasy and reality. And they're knocking on our door, and yeah. and that's the that's the crew that, depending on the assessment, some form of punishment, rehabilitation, monitoring, yeah, can probably probably make this guy not offend. The younger guys, I think, for the most part, monitoring, probation, some sort of punishment uh, can can fix them. They'll, they'll never do it again in, in many cases. No yeah. guarantees, but none of this is an exact science. Yeah, that's really interesting. I am having a thought, and maybe it's really stupid or really like, why would you even ask this? But I'm going to ask it anyway. So when I was in college, TMI, but like I briefly worked as a phone sex operator, and they like give you these breakdowns of like, here are things that like, Someone on the phone tries to venture into it's illegal to even like fantasize about X, Y, Z. And one of them is, of course, like if a guy is like, oh, you're a kid (laughs) and like uh, which I only had happen once. And right. And they they just like give you these like, quote, tools. Obviously, it's like phone sex. It's not this really like strict HR corporate run setting, but they're like selling selling health insurance. Yeah, exactly. They're like, you know, just try to stir it to like, Oh yeah. Like they, you have to be like, Oh, I'm like, so I, I look so young that I like, you know, I'm 18, but I could be a kid. And now I'm thinking, do you think, and maybe this is so stupid. If there was, an outlet for like fa- like a direct uh, like a directable outlet for someone to like l- like s- live out the fantasy without an like physical contact if someone had that like i can go pretend that i do you think that that would help or it's just going would encourage people to like it's a, it's it's a, it's an intelligent question and one that comes up you know in discussions from time to time in terms of you know for instance you know, if you're fantasizing about an anime character, you know, how close is that to reality? And people joke about it, and it's, it's, it can be funny and, and uh, it, 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 it some people, but, you know, 
where does that cross the line? Yeah. It's like, you know, these textiles they sell, you know, clearly that can imitate uh, underage child porn. There's no question. That's, yeah. that's horribly yeah. legal. Yeah. And of course. It's, viewed, it's the re-victimization of a, of a child. So as a of society, course. we've legally decided that that's wrong. And there, there are very strict uh, measures in place and, and punishments. You know, the, the cartoon characters or the play acting, uh, you know, I'm only giving you my personal. Of course, if this is not professional. It. This is and, not. And, and it, it's based on just my experience, but but I, I, it makes me uneasy. I don't Absolutely. like it. I think it has the potential to contribute to acting these things out in real life. And, and I think that if I were a judge or a law enforcement officer, I would err on the side of, you know, being stricter and harsher than I would on being liberal. Absolutely. And that's, I wanted to ask to get that perspective. It was, a, it was like an uncomfortable question to even ask. No, but, it's, like, well, it's, but it's, 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 it's reality. And, and, you know, you know, we live in this artificial actuality slash virtual reality world in which, you know, people can come up, people can buy a program and make a cartoon character out of you and kill you. And is, is that illegal? Does that cross the line? I've had, I've had people who I've investigated do that to me. Whoa. Now it's easy to say, all right, this guy is, he doesn't have the guts to do it in real life, but you know, at what level does that cross into illegal activity or threatening activity or illegal harassment? And it, it happens all the time. And, and you know, we're in a, a whole new world. Yeah. You know? It's I mean, it's crazy out there. Did so you're a parent, has you know, doing what you know, what you've done with your career and, and what you've seen and been exposed to as far as like the, the number of predators and how people are really doing things out there. Do you think that's affected your like parenting style? Have you, oh, are you like, extra sure. Strict? I mean, I've always, yeah. I mean, you know, it's easier because my kids are older. I mean, the, yeah. the two oldest are 29 and 26 and the two youngest are, are in college. But, um, you know, I think with the oldest, obviously, you know, they're, they're out doing, what I do now. Yeah. And, and so they, they've seen so cool. it and done it, but yeah, I was always, you know, you can always ease up, but it's hard to get more strict, you know? Yeah. And so my parenting style was always, you know, educate and, and, uh, you know, make it somewhat entertaining. I mean, isn't the trick to all parenting to get your kids to do what they're supposed to do and make them think it's their idea. But like make them think that they like, it's yeah. a good idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Make them think it's their idea. That's, that's the whole trick to it. I think. Um, that is a great, that's a great tip for uh, just for parenting in general. I'm going to keep that in mind if I have yeah. kids. I mean, I, I'm not professing to be, you know, parent of the, the world or parent of the year. You know, I think I did all right. They, they, they of course. Well. Of course. I mean, then, yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, I was, uh, you know, overly protective. And I still am in that, you know, I see, you know, evil where most people just see, you know, uh, uh, subway power. Yeah. So, so I've, wow. I've got to be careful not to get people cranked up. You know, people got to live their lives. But you can't be about this time. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I got to keep yeah. keep some of these thoughts your, in the head. Live your life, right. Like, or you're just... Well, I can imagine, like, if you already have the sort of tendency to look at life that way, and then you get into the field you're in where... You're now meeting, you know, coming face to face with these people that like validate your fears about these things. Of course, that's going to kind of feed yeah, that. I, mean, I, th- I think, I think the, those kids have a healthy respect for the potential of 
you know, what evil society has to offer without the, you know, closet cases. People have to go out and live their lives. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they do. Um, of course. Uh, do you feel like, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this question. Have you ever been, I mean, does anything surprise you now in terms of like who comes through the door in a case nothing, like this? Nothing, surpri- nothing surprised me. I'm ready for anything. Was uh, that always the case? Were there, were there cases no, where you I, were like, I, I, oh, rabbi? I mean, I know you mentioned that. That was just the example well, I went it's, to. It's, but. It's, it's still, it's, it's, you know, it's shocking. It, it, uh, that was shocking then. It's shocking now to think about it. It's shocking what he has done since. It was the, you know, the first episode of the, the podcast. He's been in and out of, you know, incarceration like five times. What? You know, he's not supposed to have a, in one case, this is, I mean, unbelievable. In one case, he wasn't supposed to have an unmonitored communication device, which he could use to access the internet because he had a history of going to porn sites and violating his parole. And he's in a therapy session and the parole officer goes to visit and the phone is ringing in his pocket, you know, and he can't get there to shut it down. And it's like, you can't even go to the therapist like, and, and and not violate parole. With one a, hour? You can't. Right. And, that's, and these guys, you know, and, and, and what they don't realize is that, you know, something that, you know, even if they weren't using it for nefarious purposes, they violate a parole and, you know, they're bad. Yeah. yeah. They don't mess around with that sort of thing. Nor should they. Do they, I, they may already have this, but like, do you think, are there like group therapy programs for people who have this? Yes, specific- absolutely. Absolutely. They're both uh, outside of prison and in the prison setting. setting. And, and, you know, I've interviewed and, and talked to it and uh, have lengthy discussions with psychiatrists, medical doctors who do work for the U.S. Marshals and other law enforcement agencies and, and who have made this their career to study these guys. And they will tell you that without contradiction when these guys are in a prison setting where they have nothing to lose by being honest they will tell you two things one there is very definitely a link between child pornography and offending with children and two if they've admitted to two assaults on children they're good for at least four without contradiction that's yeah and like the, they're willing to like and these are guys these are guys who have nothing to lose you're, like i'm you're, already you're in, prison, in prison so like i can't so forever, here's what so i actually did. did yeah yeah this is what happens oh. and this is based upon group therapy with a psychiatrist a medical doctor who has dedicated his entire career to this really study and it's not a glamorous study it's not a no of course study. not but it's i, I mean, mean it's a you, very you've important a, if, you, if you've got 140,000 it's it's critically important i'm just saying you know if you've got $140,000 in medical school debt can do that or you can be a dermatologist on park avenue out here and, and you know pay that down off Ray, rake it in with all, yeah. all the women and, and, being like and make and me younger <laughs> well you know whatever you're doing you know i'm just saying that you know it's not the most glamorous aspect of medicine so you don't get hordes of people I, mean, I want to solve that. well yeah you well because i understand it i'm not I saying i'm not it. criticizing the medical field i'm just saying it is what it is and we don't have Tons of people going after doing, that profession, and there it's a huge problem. Yeah, well, because it's I mean, you have you know, obviously, you're not the you know, a clinical psychologist, but you have lived the experience of being like the guy who works on stopping predators, and that in itself right. is sort of a, a brand and a label. And 
I can imagine well, how that affects well, it's on the job. It's on the job training. Yeah. <laughs> they are just like, gotcha. Uh, OJT. I mean, that kind of on the job training. The, I mean, your ability on the show to be cool and collected is impressive. How do you maintain? Because you do a pretty good job when, you know, when the show, you know, To Catch a Predator was on the air. I watched, you know, a ton of it. It was a very interesting show. How are you able to, like, keep it so cool? Well, I, there's a lot going on. So in spite of having security and in spite of knowing that, you know, law enforcement is nearby, you, you still have to wash their hands, you have to read their, their face, you have to, you know, sort of protect yourself, the crew, by just being, you know, alert. And at the same time, you have to engage this person in a conversation that gets inside their head and allows you to understand as a journalist, what is it that brought them to the situation? And they don't always readily want to explain themselves. Of course. There's a denial phase, there's, you know, there's a coming to grips phase, and then there's, you know, okay, this is what happened and this is why I'm here phase. And not everybody gets there, but when they do, it, it, it's very telling. Yeah. It fits in with, you know, my mantra on all these uh, shows and stories involving crime. It's if you can get into the mind of a criminal and hear the voice of a victim, you can better help other people from becoming victims. And, and look, anybody can jump out of the bushes or come out of a closet and, and create 10 seconds of dramatic television. Yeah. That has never been the goal for me. The goal is to, you know, understand and get inside these guys' heads. And so, you know, it's not always about beating them up. No, there's always a, there's always an aspect of it that you, you know, you're trying to hold somebody accountable. But reality is, I'm trying to get in their head and, and going back through and watching these interviews for the podcast predators I've caught. Um, you know, I can pick those moments. I can say, okay, this is where the guy finally came to terms with it, and this is when he finally said something to the effect of, you know, I got older in these chat rooms people with whom I was chatting did not. Yeah. And I knew I had a problem, but I chose not to stop or I couldn't stop. Wow. Uh, and it just kept on going. And th this particular case was a teacher who was 26 years old uh, at Provo School in Cincinnati, James Russell. Another, another episode of the um, That, wow, that's so interesting. Like, yeah, and it makes sense that, like, if you're trying to get someone to kind of let you in their brain, see what's going on. You can't come at them at a hundred percent. Like, well, sometimes you have to, and sometimes they jump ugly right away. And you have to, you know, no one of these things is, is the same. Right? Yeah. It's, it's always different every time you walk out there. Um, this, so it feels like I can imagine how doing what you do, uh, you know, on a constant basis, being face to face with these people who are, doing some pretty ugly things could possibly take like, like a, a mental or emotional toll on you just having to see that constantly. Do you do anything? This is kind of like woo woo LA maybe, but like in the, in your years of doing this, do you do anything, you know, when you're off work to kind of, I mean, I don't know what a word besides self care, but sort of, well, I, you know, and people ask all the time, you know, uh, if I ever, you know, for the predators, so much other uh, darkness that I've ever, you know, have ever gone into therapy. And, and, and I was joking, you know, I keep it all, you know, protected under. Locked in. 
locked in under cement caps or are doing it. But and that's only partially partially true. But uh, you know, I think I think being able to you know to do the podcast, for instance, is a form of that. To go back and revisit this, and you know, mostly it's just the regular stuff that people do. You exercise, you know, you have healthy relationships. Yeah. And, and you know, you are helping to raise a family, and, and so you know, you live your life every day. And it, it really is, you know, you stay so busy, or at least I stay so busy that with all these different projects that, you know, you don't have a ton of time for overly uh, introspective yeah, investing you know, examination. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe that, you know, and again, this is not to poo-poo therapy in any way. I have friends who do it. It's very successful. It's very important. And I have friends who are therapists. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, but I think it's pretty balanced for the most part. <laughs> His balance is like anyway. Yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah, no, it's everyone's got their own system and they find what works and that's perfect. Yeah. I, um, I'm trying to think, do you, since you, be, you sort of, I mean, it's, it's not false to say you're sort of notorious as this guy who, you're the guy that catches predators, which is pretty fucking rad. Have you ever had someone not like on the show, but have you ever had anyone reach out or like come to you and like confess? Like, I don't, I don't know if that would be a thing, but someone going. No, not so much that, but I, I tell you the interesting thing that's happened over the years. And, and it doesn't matter whether I'm in New York or Michigan or out on the West coast, are you working? It's people will come up to you, approach you and they'll say, you know, can I talk to you for a minute? You know, I was trying to be very gracious about it. And, and, and on so many occasions of experience, people have said, you know, thank you. Um, I was the target of a predator or I was sexually assaulted as a child. And, you know, those stories and the others that you did help me to sort of see that there's some measure of justice in the world. And thank you for doing it. And, and that's the stuff that makes you feel like, okay, you know, one person at a time, you occasionally change the world. This isn't just period interest isn't just for ratings or for, you know, uh, that shows popularity. It, it really does help some folks. Absolutely. And, and, and that, 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 to me, that's what this is all about. Yeah. And, and, you know, for every one person that says that, I'm sure there's so many who would never be comfortable oh, yeah. like telling you or, oh, or yeah. bringing it up. But I mean, it is, it really is. It's amazing what you do and it's really great to hear that you're revisiting these stories and kind of doing this, this extra dive into them. Cause I think what the work you do is so, so important. Well, I appreciate that. We're going to keep doing it. And uh, so far it's gone over very well. So I think, I think it's resonated with people and not just, you know, there, clearly there are people who are super fans of, uh, to get your predator. And of course. Predator and, Hansen. and I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, but I think this has an even wider appeal to Absolutely. folks who have kids or will have kids, you know, want their kids to hear something that, that uh, uniquely help them. So it's, and especially during the pandemic, I mean, it just it really has created this uh, toxic ability for bad guys to, to approach people. And you know, I had a discussion with somebody the other day on a podcast that was geared towards people with disabilities and the topic came up, 
you know, uh, people with disabilities are often on the internet more because they're limited ability to travel, get out of the house. And so you combine that with the pandemic and they really potentially become targets. And I think, you know, it, it, it affects folks with uh, challenges too. Yeah. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I, we've got to wrap up, but rather than usually I'll go to Patreon, but I only have two more questions and I'm just going to put them out sure. and then we'll wrap absolutely. up. I want everyone to hear them. There's not anything important, but well, one is one's really silly. I'll ask the silly one first. Uh, have you seen the memes of yourself? Yes. How do you feel about being a meme? I, you know, it's, it's fine. It, it, you're, <laughs> this is a story that, you know, uh, was hatched on the internet. And so it's going to grow on the internet, of course. followed on the internet. That memes are a part of that. So uh, there are some I like more than others, of course. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> it just kind of kind of comes with the territory. Absolutely. And then the other, I guess my final question would be, for parents out there or or just people, you know, getting on the Internet, as you said, it's there's there's different groups who could be targeted. Do you have any like a couple like general advice for for keeping yourself a little bit safer? Yeah, I think it's just being aware. And I think you have to have a conversation with your kids about their their activity online. And that conversation has to be age appropriate and it starts with whenever they use the computer or whenever you allow them to use a phone. And it starts very simply with, there are strangers out there, adults who like to trick kids and no kid likes to be tricked. And so if you put it in those terms, uh, you can, you can, you know, get their attention a little bit. And if you can tell an anecdotal story where, where a grown up uh, tricked a kid online and then you also have to be very aware that these, you know, that don't talk to strangers is a fine discussion to have. Yeah. Uh, but on the internet, the guy who's a stranger on Tuesday may be so adept at grooming your child that he's not going to be a stranger by Friday. Wow. And so you got, you know, it goes back to the tricking question, and, and you don't want to be tricked by other kids or other adults. And and you know, there are countless stories about grown-ups who. Posed as 15, 16 year old kids, gotten on these, you know, chat rooms and chat sites and they killed kids. I mean, look at the, you know, look at the case in, uh, uh, that I talked about earlier with the uh, sheriff's deputy in uh, Volusia County. Plus, it's that 20 year old guy who most likely posed as another kid, set up a meeting, and this good girl got caught up in it. And then this 13 year old is over her head, doesn't know what to do. And because her cell phone was limited to the internet, right? Wow. Which is how she was using it at the store where, you know, the coordination was uh, uh, conducted where he picked her up. You know, they couldn't even track the, the cell phone signal. And I also wow. think that, and this sheriff's deputy would say the same thing, that there's nothing wrong with having a tracker in your kid's phone. I mean, if there wasn't, if that was her traditional cell phone and there was a tracking device on it, that deputy would know immediately, as with the parents, where that child is. Yeah, like having your uh, phones linked for... yeah, that like phone, That phone is your phone, not your kid's phone. Absolutely. And it's like, your privacy has to have a line drawn for your kid's safety. Like, yeah. if you're going to give your kid a phone, you should be aware of right. the dangers of that. Exactly. exactly. Wow. Well, So those are those are ways to get started. And, you know, a lot of it's common sense things. It's just, it's just you can't assume that everything's okay. You know, you can't assume that everybody is... In case the protective bubble. 
Yeah, you have to have the tough conversation sometimes. And, not, and, and not, not freak them out. But that's why it's important to be age appropriate. Absolutely. Wow. That's thank you for that. Thank you for all of this, Chris. I mean, you're amazing. I'm sure everyone who's listening already knows you and loves you. But where where can people find you and listen to your new stuff? People can find me on uh, Apple Podcasts and anywhere else is a podcast with Predators I've Caught with Chris Hansen. They can find me on YouTube and have a seat with Chris Hansen on Discovery Plus in the true crime section, uh, Onision in real life, more to come on that, and unseemly the investigation into Peter Nygaard. Uh, more Predator shows on the YouTube channel and, and more will be on television very soon. A lot of other things are the worst as well, but that's, that, should, that should get people started. Yeah, there's a lot to comb through. Well, I love that. Uh, this has been an incredible interview. So much insight. You're such such an easy guest to interview. You have so many stories, and it's been wonderful. So thank you. I like I like the sound of my own voice. Yeah, it's it is a you do have a very great voice. You have a voice no, that I'm, is meant to be. I'm heard. teasing you. <laughs> I know. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You take care, and, and uh, I'll uh, stay in touch. Absolutely. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, Chris. Thanks. Bye, everybody. All right. Thanks. Well, that concludes the free hour of the Chris Hansen interview. Holy shit. That was rad. I mean, my God. Go check out his podcast, Predators I've Caught. Keep an eye on him all over social because I'm sure he'll have another great show coming our way. Um, It's incredible what he does. And uh, hey, fucking don't be a fucking creepy pervert predator. Hopefully none of them are listening to this show, but ugh. anyway, great interview. Cool insights, some psychology, just some journalism and kind of enforcing of the laws against predators and everything in between. So if you enjoyed that, I'm glad. Please let that be reflected in your subscription rating and review of this podcast. That sure would help me out. Share it with your friends because everybody's a little bit ignorant. Sometimes big thank you to John, Eric, Gene, Greg, Kathy, Terry, exclusive members of the League of Extraordinary Idiots, which is, of course, an exclusive crew over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed. You can get in the crew or for even less money, you can get other stuff. Uh, as little as a dollar a month, you can join and get cool shit and more importantly, be helping me out. So I'd obviously love to have your help. Love to see you over there. And uh, other ways you can support, there's a Facebook group. Ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots. When you join that, I post ahead of time for questions for upcoming guests. People share funny memes. It's a safe space for unsafe questions and discussions where we can approach things with differing points of view and learn from one another. So there's that. And you can follow at ignorance is blessed on Instagram to see faces. For all the voices. Ooh, it's like you're hearing in these interviews. So head over there. And uh, while you're at it, please keep in mind that no guest is or claims to be a representative for every person who has a similar identity. They're just one person sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their situated position in the world. You have additional questions for questions, excuse me, for Chris or for other guests. Hit me up. The Facebook group is the best way to do that. But I am, of course, all over social media at JMS Comedy. You can send them to me there. I would love for you to follow me. First of all, I love interacting with all of you guys. Second of all, the entertainment industry looks at that fucking shit and looks at the numbers. So every number counts. And so, you know, 
You're doing me a solid. Oh, God. I got to stop recording these at the last minute, which is late at night. Anyway, please keep giving me suggestions and keep asking questions because the more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know, and the more we know, the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? Oh, boy. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots.